there's the studio microphone. We're recording. So that way Mike can get through if he texts me because I do disappear and don't realize I disappear. Marked at 2218. Hey, new tuner, tuner inner, new audience member. <laughs> That's better. Uh, on Discord, so appreciate Chris for tuning in. And hey, Michael, it's been a little while. I don't think we talked today. Yeah. So you want to start with our po- pre-show conversation? What were we talking about? I forgot Oh yeah, Blackstone. So, uh, a part of my classwork here at, well, not here, but, you know, over at Gentry for the BEP program in Alabama, uh, we've been running a small cafe. Uh, and there's, you know, general stuff. You can come in and buy sodas, snacks, things like that. Most of the stuff that we have in the vending machines is also available in that cafe. We have since the first full week been doing break, uh, which is the break for the rest of the facility there. Uh, when the students and staff get a break at about 945 in the morning, they have about a 20 minute break or so. Uh, and there we've been doing popcorn, cookies, and of course, everything else is open for, you know, purchase as well. Uh, I think that's all we have during that time. But we started doing breakfast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that's has us cooking up the, you know, frying up the eggs or scrambled eggs, depending on what we're serving that morning, uh, as well as the bacon and sausage uh, on a flat griddle. So in the course of us getting this griddle ready to actually be used, so we were practicing on the griddle to make sure, one, the griddle actually worked because it was brand new, and two, that we got it, you know, working, everybody was comfortable with it. Just chatting with one of my fellow students, um, about the Blackstone. And I mentioned to him that I wanted to buy a Blackstone. Um, and I was kind of putting off that purchase for a while, probably. Because, uh, well, one, it's costing me a whole lot more to be at Gentry out of my pocket than I thought it was going to cost me, which is to no end of stress. But that's a different conversation for a different day. And also that we're planning on possibly downsizing out of this house. Definitely want to move out of this house. More likely downsizing to an apartment for a while while I get the BEP stuff up and running. So that means no gas powered you know, giant 36 inch griddle sitting outside because it's an apartment. You wouldn't have room for all that. Um, and he mentioned to me that he has the E series of the Blackstone. Uh, he has two, he has the 17 inch, which was given to him as a birthday gift. And he's like, I went out about the 22 inch because, you know, it's a little bit more cooking surface. And that one actually comes with a stand. So tell him Mike, who has a Blackstone yep. still, I think. Yep. Uh, that I was planning on going out to take a look at the E-Series models in Walmart, hopefully on Monday, to get an idea, you know, one, which one I want to buy. Because, again, you tell me 17 inches and 22 inches. I know one of those is bigger than the other one, but that's about all I can tell you. Uh, I have no real-world, you know, concept of how big that is. I suppose I could take my handy-dandy tape measure and... <laughs> but is that, that is that possibly. 17 inches across, but is that go- or is that uh-huh. an angle? See, that's the thing, right? Like, I don't, I don't even know. Perhaps I should take the handy dandy uh, tape measure with me when I go look. <laughs> but it's going to be in a box. Are you going to just pull it out of the box right there, at Walmart? Because uh, I mean, I'm assuming they have a display model out, right? Hopefully, like got, I mean, I don't think our if, Walmart does. But if they don't, tell them that you're just helping them do their job. I mean, look, if they don't have a display model, I'll tell you something I learned from my mother. Thirty some years ago, which is you go in the store and they don't have a display for you to look at a thing. Open it. 
and look. <laughs> right? If you like it, you buy the one that you open. If it's not what you thought it was or you don't want it, then you put it back. And if they get mad about it, well, you should have this play out, man. I can't see what's on the box. I need to feel it. I got to touch it. <laughs> Your mom reminds me of my great-grandma. <laughs> she was the same way. Uh, I remember going to the store when I was a kid and being like, uh, what does this look like? And she's like, well, I can't Ope. find one for you. Let me open so, it. Let me just open it. <laughs> yep. Just open it. Uh, and listen, retail people, if you get upset about that, um, put out displays. That's all I got to tell you. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. So I'm going to go check those out because I, I do want a griddle. And as I mentioned, you know, as me and Michael talked about, at least I don't think it's ever been a topic of a show. Probably DM series because we did really talk about a lot of stuff. And I think that was still running when Mike got his Blackstone. Yeah, I think so. Uh, definitely was running when he got the Traeger, which I'm also thinking about picking up a... Uh, at some point this year, a um, pellet cooker. Because, uh, again, you know, an apartment, you know, that's not really a fire, right? right? It's not. It's yeah. more or less a convection. Yeah. But you might get some oven. pushback on the pellet cooker, just so you know. You might. I mean, I, depending I, on I, the- I expect to, but, you know, listen, I, I keep telling people, people really don't take it as serious as they really should. When I said there was a point in time in my life when I was younger, when I first started college back in 2001, that I was going to be a lawyer. Um, none of that principle or argumentative or reasoning or uh, telling the truth in the most possible friendly light to serve my purposes has ever left me as an individual. I just decided I didn't want to go down that path and deal with the crap of being a lawyer. Um, because I, I didn't like what I saw from the outside of the justice system looking into it. And I was like, you know, that's probably not a career for me because I'll end up, you know, somewhere I don't want to be. And I chose a different path. Uh, probably wouldn't know Mike if I became a lawyer, though. So, see, listen, things work out, man. We're here doing technically working. So, there we go. Uh, would have been a lawyer, probably never would have heard a podcast until, you know, American whatever it was that was big. And I would have been one of those podcasts. Listening. Or some marketing guy calls you and says, hey, you should start a podcast. You'll get more clients because we know that works that way. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I want to go take a look at these Blackstones because, again, it's, it's something that's good to cook on. It works in the instances where I could reverse sear steaks and, and things like that as well that, that I've smoked. And it's something that also makes a pretty good breakfast. And Tia will use it. So, you know, it's something that would not just be my domain of cooking in and you can do some interesting things with a griddle that i feel like for me not liking clutter and not liking to buy a bunch of one-off use things if they're not necessary would probably save me from buying like pancake makers and things you know man clutter we're we're thinking about moving um let me rephrase that. We are moving. It's going to probably happen June-ish is what we're thinking. Where to? I don't have that answer, but we will be moving probably nearby, at least to the bigger town, not, not what was it, five blocks away the last time I moved. Uh, but I keep telling Mallory, I'm like, let's just throw most of our stuff away. Like, just start over. We have so much clutter, so much junk. I guess is the best way. That's that's the nicest way to put it. That like let's just start over with the essentials of things that we need. And and ultimately we may go to a smaller place. We're probably gonna pay the same amount in rent, if not a little bit more, but we may be going to a smaller place. One of the places we're looking at has a walk in closet. And you know what her first comment was? We could put you in your own closet. And I'm like, hey, actually, I wouldn't mind that because we'll just put some sound dampening stuff up and then actually have like a legit studio area. So that would be kind of cool. But 
downsizing is sometimes needed. We have so much. I'm thinking like the the waffle maker we have in there. We have um, a flat, small griddle that like never gets used. So if you can just get one thing to to solve all your problems or two things, you know, simplify things, simplify. And I almost wonder if for me, the indoor griddle would have been better because when you have a griddle outside, it, it's a lot of work if you want to use it. Yeah, it is. Like it's, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Definitely will be worth it. But now the indoor griddle is something I'm thinking about just because of that, that compact space. And I would imagine that, um, you know, I haven't looked into this at all because, I'm lazy, but I imagine there's got to be some sort of, you know, waffle maker accessory (laughs) that goes with the, yeah, that goes with the Blackstone, right? So you don't have to go buy a specific waffle, waffle maker. You know, I can have waffles cooking on this side over here and Mm -hmm. eggs being scrambled over there, right? We can do this thing. Hey, Jeff and Taylor, thanks for joining us too. See, we're getting popular. Oh, I was going to stream us to YouTube today. And then apparently in order to get access to YouTube streaming on a new channel, you have to give it 24 hours. And they have a countdown like to the second. It's like you have 23 hours, 14 (laughs) minutes, 49 seconds. Like, well, there's no trick in the Google thing. But Technically Working has a YouTube channel. Shout out to Ben for getting that taken care of. It's literally been put together for what? Since episode 30 or something like that. We've done nothing with it. And I forgot about it until I was like, huh, can we stream to YouTube? And that admin of my Google Workspace account hasn't gotten me access to live streaming on my YouTube account yet because he hasn't done the research to figure out what he needs to do. So I switched accounts and was going to go do my own personal account um, because I have two YouTube accounts. And that said, oh, once you verify your phone number, you can stream. And then I remember that Ben made us a technically working account. So I verified my phone number with that one and then got told you have to wait 23 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds. (laughs) Maybe next show we'll be streaming to YouTube too, because why not? Why not indeed? And we needed a YouTube channel. And thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Uh, and I didn't know he had actually done it. I know we talked about him doing it. Uh, I didn't even know the conversation happened, let alone it was done. I don't think I knew it was done for a little while either. Cause you know how Ben does, he'll go do something and then forget to tell you it's done or <laughs> something. Uh, he did it the right way though. He invited me to the YouTube channel. So he owns it. Well, we can change the owner yeah. at some point. If he, he may have to. actually changed me to the owner. I haven't looked. Or he may have, you know, may decide to hold us hostage once we really start, you know, rolling in the dough and be like, yeah, it'd be a shame if something would have happened to this YouTube channel you're on. Don't give him any ideas. He's not listening, but maybe when we start putting it on YouTube, he'll start listening. Probably not. Just saying. Probably not. Um, Really nothing new with technology for me this week. It's been kind of a Kind of a slow week. Got a, a lot of stuff caught up for work. Um, yeah. Uh, I On Wednesday, I'm going to go help someone set up JAWS. And guess what? One of the first things I'm going to do once I get his computer up and running is I'm going to install RIM so we don't have to meet at the mall again. <laughs> yeah. RIM has, um, RIM has the potential to... to be a, a an amazing tool for me as well even when dealing with non screen reader users yeah because you know i could just go in and do the thing and be done instead of 
sending them instructions, trying to walk them through the process and them not having it work and then trying to figure out why it didn't work. Like, I don't I don't have time for that. I do want to update people. So as I mentioned, I think I said this at the beginning of the show. Uh, I'm home. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we did talk about that. Uh, so I am home. I'm still using the same setup I did last time, but you won't hear me typing or you won't hear me or Michael talking about the fact that I'm typing or doing stuff on the keyboard because um, I pulled out a pretty handy device that if you are not using a good boom arm uh, might come in handy for your microphone, which is an actual shock mount. Uh, the boom arms that me and Mike have both are uh, have kind of that shock protection built into the microphone itself. I mean, to the boom arm itself. So, you know, Mike doesn't need to mount one of these. But I still had hanging around because I don't throw away things that I think are useful. Uh, the shock mount for the Audio Technica, and I think this originally was meant for the 2020. Yeah, this may be specific for the 2005. I, I don't remember. It may be for the 2100, actually. I don't even remember. But if it's the 2005, if it's the 2100, uh, it'll fit the Samsung because I think I sent you a link for this same one. And yours, like my first one, I think the, the rubber bands popped or something at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought another one because at the time I really needed it because I was using a really crappy $13 boom arm uh, that was not shop protected. Uh, so that's what I'm using today on the portable tripod, which actually has turned out to be a very good. Like I, I was happy about having this the last time I was home for sure. Uh, I've been happy in other instances that I had this in my bag as a thing and it just lives in my backpack now in case I need to, you know, do some wild, some wild from the hip podcasting or something. <laughs> uh, but it's working out great. And, and, you know, the biggest thing here that makes a difference for me though is the fact that I do have an adjustable height desk so I could move the desk to where I needed to be. So I'm not doing that hunched over my microphone podcaster thing because ah. I'm, I'm old. Ah, that adjustable desk is uh, a little bit more useful. See, uh-huh. yeah. uh-huh. definitely a good investment. Uh, and I honestly miss it when I'm working at uh, Gentry uh, in the evening sometimes because I have to sit down. And one, the chair is uncomfortable. Like, mm. Mm. <laughs> my chair ain't the best chair in the world that's sitting here now, but it is still a pretty good chair. Still, probably the best chair that I have owned. Uh, and at least you yeah. can stand if you need to without and having to And I can stand up if back. I need to. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and for anybody interested, I did buy a gaming chair, which are pretty good. Like They're, they're pretty comfortable for office chairs because uh, they're basically office chairs with Does a little bit more lights? padding. Uh, see, I didn't do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> we said gaming chair, so I just assumed it had lights. Or nah, so this one actually, you know, it's, it's, it's basically an office chair with some decent padding. Uh mm-hmm for uh move and it kind of you know has some side to side movement so uh because apparently gamers move around a lot i don't know oh yeah but it's pretty comfortable without being overly fancy uh but it's a pretty good chair for the price i pay for i think normally at costco it was around 200 bucks i caught it on sale for about 140 when i bought it and um it's a good office chair and i feel like it's one of those weird uh segregations or, or categorization of um, products that makes no sense logically. So an equivalently priced office chair was not nearly as comfortable as a gaming chair. And I'm like, but why would you not want to mm. sell just a comfortable chair to whoever wanted to spend 200 bucks on it? Like that seems, 
Because if you want reasonable. something as comfortable as a gaming chair, you're going to spend two grand on your office chairs to keep your office people. See, it's all about how they position their chairs where gamers typically don't have as much money as maybe someone buying furniture for a bigger office. But for a small business owner, it's good to know that, hey, why don't I go look at the gaming chairs? Because I might be able to get something that's just as that's more comfortable for 200 bucks yeah. versus a yeah. thousand yeah. bucks. That fits in your, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's the tip there is, you know, if you're looking for a good office chair uh, in a work from home or even in a co-working space that you may rent or something like that, take a look at gaming chairs. Uh, if your budget is not such that you can go up and buy something like the uh, Herman Miller line or some of those more expensive office chairs that everybody who has them absolutely loves, but, you know, they're a thousand bucks and up. Yeah. I hope I would love my chair if I bought it for a thousand dollars too. Yeah. So, uh, got something to update you on. Uh, Michael wants me to rant about Windows 365. If you want to hear me complain about how difficult it is to uh, cancel your Windows 365 subscription after they bill you, um, let me know. It's actually kind of my fault. I'll tell you what happened uh, in a minute. But uh, we kind of bought something that maybe we shouldn't have, but Mallory's kind of glad that we did. Um, you have the HomePod Mini, right? Yep. Yeah, so if you haven't heard the HomePod yet, I'm pleasantly surprised uh, with the low ends of it um, and the size of it as well. I think we're going to end up having to have a second one of those, though, because it, in stereo, I think it's going to be amazing um, because one of them sounds... Uh, tenfold times better than the mini um at first i wasn't super impressed with it but i think that's the case with a lot of people who buy the home pods is at first they're like eh, that's just that's okay you know it's it's a 250 dollars speaker it's out i'm sorry 300 dollars speaker story about why it was only 250 here in a second but it sounds okay but after having it for like two or three days i think we've had it for two days now uh the more i hear it i'm like huh that's actually evolving that sounds really good i wonder what a second one over here on the gun safe would sound like and huh maybe we'll have to look into that so Mallory's coming home from a work trip and we were looking around and costco had it on sale uh for i think it was 277 with apple care um and we had one of those credits that you get for you know if you spend a little too much at costco uh, so it was going to lower the price to a not insignificant low price not as it would have been lower than what we ended up paying for it because the online tracker lied to us. Well, yeah, it told the untruth, untruthfuls. And it said, yes, this is in stock here. And I didn't think about this until we were at Walmart. I'll tell you about that too. But um, she went into Costco and he's like, yeah, no, we don't have it. You can order it online, but you can't use your coupon online. And we're like, well, that's stupid. Let's not do that. Let's save that for something we can actually use it for. So she looked at uh, Fred Meyer, which is the same place, Kroger, uh, and other places in the country. They only had the minis. And then she ended up driving on her way home like 20 minutes out of the way to stop at Staples in some smaller town and got it on a discount. Instead of it being $2.99, it was $2.49 there. So the, prince, the, the moral of that story is – Shop around a little, maybe look at some stores you might not have thought about, because I would have never thought about buying a HomePod from Staples, um, Me either. and you might get a discount on them. The story I wanted to tell you, the, the 
other thing that I wanted to mention to you is we were at Walmart today looking for a uh, monitor stand for her second monitor for work. And online it says we have two of these in Walmart. So we went to the aisle and we looked for like five minutes and couldn't find it. So we went and grabbed someone and he's like, yeah, let me go see if we have them. He scanned the barcode that was on her phone and he's like, yeah, we should have two here if they're not here. And then he looked down and he's like, oh, I have three in the back it looks like. And she's like, well, why why does it say you have two if you don't have any? And he's like, well, see – the online tracker system can't track when people walk out of the store with them. And I'm like, you know, I never thought about that. That explains why it says <laughs> that they're in the store and they don't actually have them. Oh, uh, so somebody stole a arm or uh, two uh, arms. Uh, uh, for one or two. I mean, I, I suspect that plays into it. Obviously, their inventory tracking is probably not perfect. They probably had four in the back or something, and someone only put one out, but marked that they put two. But he said that's one of the big issues, though, is, is that that makes their inventory system not be as accurate as a lot of people like it is. You, you can track when people steal things, but typically that's not tracked real time or they're not going to steal it. <laughs> Gotcha. I told Malik, so, so they just need like a scanner at the doors to scan all the stolen stuff. So I mean, I, I thought they, I thought they had that right. When you walk out, it it does the thing. So. It does the thing, but I don't think that actually. I think that just plays on the the like uh, loss prevention um, tags that are on it. But I don't think those actually track in their inventory system. Hey, so and so took this. Like they know something was gotcha. stolen, but they don't know what exactly they don't, it was. They stolen. don't know what it was. Gotcha. Yeah. Never thought about it, though. Kind of like you last week were talking about how you hadn't thought about people taking ketchup to throw in their basket on their counter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Until I had to account for what it would cost, you know, building that into the cost of a, of a, of a breakfast sandwich. Like, hey, people are going to take three jellies or five or ten. Because, you know, <laughs> they just you know, take them home, throw them in a basket and never use them. Because, yeah, that, that makes sense. But, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um the fact that yeah, if something walks out of the store, you know, it's not going to be updated in inventory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so got a HomePod. Um, probably worth getting a second one. Should uh, check those out if you get a chance to hear them. Um, they they have they have impressive low end. I shouldn't be impressed now about audio. Would I? Would I? I don't. <clears throat> I'm torn. So. If I were to pick Sonos or HomePods, I think I would probably pick Sonos if the sole purpose of it was to listen to music. Um, the HomePod is great for external speakers to our Apple TV, though. And that's why I'm really thinking about a second one is to give that a more immersive Give experience. that stereo. Yeah, you definitely want them for that. Yeah. And I honestly have been thinking about – well, I'm not actually thinking about like it, It's sort of in a longer – term plan to get two regular size home pods to pair up with the TV because mm -hmm. that's all we use it for is the Apple TV like we're not using any of the built in Samsung crap it's not even on the internet uh, so there could be an update that improves something <laughs> and I wouldn't know about it um, but I bought the so you sent me a mini first off when you were going back to Sonos yep uh, and then and I then, sold my Sonos <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was going to ask, like, what happened? I thought you had gone on. I have a Sonos like, Play 3, but I sold the ones that I had. The Play 3 is actually like a workhorse. It's, it's that, it's that 
that music that you always have in the corner. I don't know if you're ever like that, but we always have something playing mainly. So I know if we're having internet issues or if we lose power, like, uh, and I just like background noise, but it just plays constantly. I've about a thousand songs, I think queued up in a playlist that it just shuffles 24 seven. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that led me to get a second mini and mm-hmm. my plan was to give these minis to the kids at some point. Uh, to go in their rooms. Um, Tia's gotten attached to the one that, that she has, so that means I actually have to buy a third one if I'm going to distribute them. Um, mine is still sitting on the desk, which is the one you sent me. It's actually still sitting on the desk. It is plugged up. I don't actually use it for a ton. Uh, occasionally, if I'm in here, like, tearing stuff apart, like rearranging or whatever like that, I'll throw whatever I'm listening to with my headphones on the mini, on, on the HomePod. But other than that, I don't actually... Really using, I think it's kind of because most of the time I forget it's there. And mm. the reason I said I throw stuff on it when I'm like rearranging the office or cleaning off the desk or something is because in the process of cleaning <laughs> off the desk, I'll knock over this little ball and I'm like, oh, there's a home pop in here. Oh, I thought you were going to say in the process of cleaning off the desk, my phone pops up and says, would you like to send this to your home pod? No, I, I knock over this little ball. I'm like, oh yeah, huh? I could throw the podcast on here and then put my headphones in my pocket and then and, and let them charge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're 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 cool. I'm gonna get a get a third one at some point and then give Lincoln the one that I have here mm-hmm. and give uh, Mia the one that I buy and then she'll get to keep the blue one that she has. Uh, where, does Tia use it with the TV, or does she just listen to music on it? No, nah, she has it on the. It's on the side of the bed, so yeah. she uses it uh, to play music. She's a, accidentally a few times, I think, asked her phone calls on it. <laughs> yeah, accident. I've accidentally made phone calls on ours. Son of a. <laughs> so apparently, I'm going to need four. <laughs> just you know. why she wants the stereo. No, uh, oh. so uh, how, how do they do this on the on the other shows? So real time feedback. Apparently, I'm going to need four of these uh, because she's gotten used to using the one that's back here in the office too. So oh. I guess I'm buying two. Oh. Oh. Okay, okay. I have been interested in Sonos just because people say that it it is it, it is from people who've used both systems, whether it's the home the HomePods and and Sonos, you know, separately that. When it comes to keeping things in sync, that despite, you know, it should just work uh, with the HomePods, Sonos, it does kind of just work mm-hmm. uh, to be able to play music in different places. And I've thought about, because Apple doesn't offer any of this stuff for a home theater system, that at some point I would probably go down that path to Sonos because it seems to be very reliable. I'm still a little myth about what they did about how they cut people off of their stuff a, few years, a couple of years ago. Yeah, there's lots of years of of use of that equipment. I uh, if it was me, I would probably be saying this totally different too. So, so it didn't happen to me. My issue was is they basically kind of bricked them though. Like mm. it, they made them like it's not like oh well I could take these Sonos's that are too old to get the software updates and repurpose them you know to go into the office and then just you know up move new stuff into the the living room or, right. or you know like it's like basically they just made the devices kind of useless that's what annoys me about it not that they got cut off from software updates because that happens to devices all the time uh, I have a phone sitting up here right now that is not going to get iOS 17 um, 
but no big deal because I'm not actually, I mean, I got a phone in a drawer somewhere that didn't go past iOS 12, I think. So like I, I'm used to that. It's just like that, that iOS 12 device though is still, still has some usefulness if I choose to attempt to use it. Like Apple didn't just brick my phone and say, okay, well, this isn't getting the newest update. So you know what? You can't hook this in anywhere. Like it's just not going to work uh, at all. Uh, but it does get left behind on features and I've sort of kind of gotten over it, but I look at it. If I would have bought into Sonos at one point that you were telling me how good Sonos was and that I should maybe consider getting it. Um, I would have been one of those people that was hit by that. And I would have owned it for probably less than two years, uh, before that happened. So that does make me a little nervous about getting into that ecosystem. However, they do have a sound bar that people apparently like that sound bar can be connected to your TV over HDMI uh, or you can do the or or uh, you can do the whole little thing where you like that's connected to your TV and then you connect to Apple TV to it so it keeps everything in sync and all that you know whatever and then you get your little you know I think maybe the play ones are the ones that that, that can serve as like no, your Sonos size speakers ones. the play ones yeah. are the ones that got discontinued Ah, okay. So the Sonos ones, I knew there was a one. So the yeah. smaller speakers, those yeah. could be like your side speakers. And then they got the Sonos Woofer. They got a couple of different models. Yeah, that. but that's and, 800 bucks. And I didn't well, see, that's the other reason that I hadn't started <laughs> investing in this Sonos stuff either. Because as me and you have discussed privately, like I know if I bought one thing uh-huh. and it was great, I would want to buy something else. And eventually I would, you know, be $3,000 in debt <laughs> just on Sonos gear. And it was like, you know. I'm not sure I'm gonna pay this credit card bill, but I can. Uh, <laughs> but this, man, this, my home audio sounds great. But man, great. this home audio is great. You know, I got my whole, got my woofer, which was a thousand dollars, and I got my speakers, which were two hundred bucks a piece, and I got the sound bar that was nine hundred. I mean, it sounds great when we're watching TV. Although I'm not sure if I'm ready to pay for the streaming services that we watch on the TV. Uh, <laughs> oh, you guys got to listen to free music, and guess what? 3D advertisements. <laughs> I was going to say the ads that I hear on, uh, on uh, free streaming services uh, on Pandora are going to be great. It's around sound. But that's one reason I haven't gone down that, that pathway because I know it gets expensive and I'm one of those, like if something is great, I'm going to continue buying into it. Uh, but also we don't really have the space for it right now either. So mm-hmm. there, there's another reason not to start investing because, you know, clutter, man, clutter. And clutter. Yeah. I'm eyeballing some new ubiquity gear. What? Did you buy more? I haven't bought anything yet, but oh. apparently they have their Wi-Fi 7 stuff out. Yeah, I saw that. Someone was saying that it's like the best priced uh, Wi-Fi 7, which is weird, really weird for Ubiquity to be the best price. Yeah, but equipment. You, have you seen the cost of the new Eero uh-huh. Wi-Fi yes. 7? Yes, though? I have. <laughs> yes, I have. It's like one of those is 600 bucks. Yeah. Are you kidding me, man? Are but, of course, Ubiquity sold out, like. Oh, yeah, instantly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even go bother clicking right? through the link when I saw the email because I know I saw that email like two days after it came in. So uh-huh. it's like, yeah, I know they're already sold out. Uh-huh. Like, I'll it, at some point go look to actually look at the specs and, and tell them to notify me when they're in stock if I decide I want to buy one. Even though those notifications might not be enough to in some instances. Cause nope, because they, they sell out very quickly. Yeah. Uh, very, very quickly. Uh, but yeah, I, I have been thinking about it. There is also, I mean, I could also just upgrade the Wi-Fi 6 stuff I have. Uh, or not upgrade, but add a new uh, point to my Wi-Fi 6 network. To. If you move to a smaller area. 
that's one of the reasons I actually haven't done it yet because I had in my cart. Uh, mm. No, I'll take that back. I actually bought it and then I shipped it back. Like I didn't even open the box. I shipped it back uh, partially because I realized I didn't need it. Like it wasn't an absolute necessity because my network, once I moved my uh, current access point closer to the front of the house is by getting a super long Ethernet cable to run it from the router. Uh, that gave me better coverage up front. And I was like, well, actually, I don't need this thing. So I just sent it back and got my money back because, you know, why open it if I didn't absolutely have to have it at that point in time? Um, but that's one of the reasons also I haven't bought it because the, the, and the one I have is the U6 Pro, I think, uh, which is a little, uh, fire, but no, smoke detector looking thing that you mount on the wall or on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's currently mounted on the wall. Uh, it's powered over Ethernet. It does come with an adapter if you need to plug it in, but you know, I got the dream machine. So it's powered over Ethernet with a hundred foot, I think it's a hundred foot or 50 foot Ethernet cable running it to where I need it to be. And that is actually getting me, you know, fairly decent coverage where it is now. Initially it was at the very back of the house. Hmm. Uh, so doing good with that. Actually, I take that back. Initially it was at the front of the house when I had the dream router because the dream router had Wi-Fi built in. That was at the back of the house to U6. Pro was up at the front. Right. And, uh, or whatever this U6 is. It's not the Enterprise one, but it's the one right below that one. Uh, I think that would be the Pro. It's not the mesh, is it? No, it's not the mesh. Yeah. Uh, Doug told me it's I need not to the get light. The mesh. Yeah, that's what Doug was telling me too. That's yeah. what I was. I actually had bought one before you said that and I sent it back. Uh, that's the one I decided like I didn't need it after I moved this around. Mm-hmm. But that's another reason I haven't bought one either is because I'm like, well, at some point I'm going to need to upgrade to Wi-Fi 7 is one thing I've been thinking about too. If we downsize and because I don't have a lot of stuff on the edge of my network, that's not getting a good connection. Like I don't, I'm not in dire need of upgrading yeah. or extending the current network. Especially since so, it's working where you are right now. Yeah, it's working fine, man. It's working great. I mean, that little, uh, that mesh is, is, is nice though. Um, so if you do need to extend your network and it's not terribly expensive for the amount of bandwidth that it gives right. you either. So, uh, but yeah, did see the email about the, the, the Wi-Fi seven stuff. And I was like, whoa, that was a little faster than I expected them to have that out. Uh, we don't want to buy anything right now. Don't make mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about it, though, as we pointed out before with Ubiquity, is I can update my access points. I could even up, I could even mix and match my access points. So keep the U6 and add a seven, and just right. segregate the networks based off what I what what traffic I need to route on them. And I don't have to touch the thing that's back here connected to the modem because it is just a static router that does what it needs to do. I like an Eero. If I bought an Eero 7 for 600 bucks and still had my Eero network sitting here, well, guess what? That Eero 7 I paid 600 bucks for was still on to do six speeds uh, because that's what everything else does. You can't mix and match. I mean, you can. Well, just you're going you're gonna to be limited to whatever the slowest device yeah. in the mesh is. Uh, whereas, like I said, with the with, with Ubiquity stuff, uh, and to be fair, there's, there's other companies out there like that too so uh meraki and the one that mike had me looking at that i ultimately didn't go with uh, i can't remember the name of it now probably works similarly uh but you know i will have the ability to have a seven network for 
anything in here that worked on which honestly i have no wi-fi 7 devices so like <laughs> kind of makes it pointless at this point because i'm not at a network upgrade stage uh the six stuff is fine because everything i have in here is six i think maybe this laptop has 6e which you know isn't a huge deal either um so full transparency we did not Spend any time in this Google Doc that we have somewhere. <laughs> yeah, this Google Doc does exist. Uh, yeah, it does. It does. Maybe we I should. mean, it exists. Yeah, it exists, but neither one of us use it because that's just how I we... I mean, we used it once. We, maybe twice. Yeah. Maybe twice. Because I, mean, I think... We used it to put stuff in it. Yeah. In the next show, we looked into Google Doc and read the stuff out of it and then I think we even added some stuff during that show to follow uh-huh. up on and then we haven't looked at it since then. Yeah. yeah. But this is what happens. When you're busy. It is. And, and honestly, it's, I it's think... It's not like we look at a Google Doc when we're on the phone. Uh, and I honestly feel like that is a... That that based off our bad... Our, let me start that over. I feel like that is an indicator based off our past behavioral patterns with different tools that we have tried to use to is a sign that Google Docs, while it is good and it is probably standard across most podcasts uh, in the world, it's not the best tool for us because Mm -hmm. we don't routinely go look at it. And whereas let's say Fantastical, like we're always using that. We're we're always using Fantastical. We we both I think are still sticking fairly close to using Todoist as Mm -hmm. a task manager for the most part. Um I'm using do now. Oh man, I like that app. <laughs> Mike's uh, using do to remind him of things that he really shouldn't forget to do that are lo- so I'm, I think we talked about this one time on the show, but remind me and everybody else or let everybody know if they didn't if, if, if this was a private conversation. You're using do kind of as like a home base like these are things around here I need to do versus to doist is more work related production type stuff is it do i am i remembering that conversation right or am i pulling this from somebody else's podcast no that's correct so you might remember earlier last year i said i'm all in on reminders well i do remember that i got all in on reminders and then i really struggled with getting notifications for reminders which i think is really weird because now i still get this reminder every morning at 6 30 that says remind mallory to take her laptop to work and usually she's gone by then i don't even know why i set that reminder for that time but um i also still find reminders to be a little clunky when it comes to navigating the interface and actually marking things off so Todoist is the tool that I use when I'm sharing projects with people or if I need to keep track of something more long-term. So I have a reminder in here to follow up with leads in Todoist. And that comes up when I look at the project where I need to follow up with leads. I have do, however, for stuff that I need to make sure I do not remember, forget. So um, that might be Ben has a um, a parent-teacher conference on the 15th. Um, So in do, I have a reminder that I have Ben's parent-teacher conference that morning, even though it's on my calendar, because I don't want to forget about this conference coming up. That's an okay example, but I think a better example is um, when I need to make a phone call for someone specific, or I need to follow up, um, I need to 
to make sure that I'm aware of something happening. I'm trying to think of the one that I had earlier this week. Oh, it's cancel my Windows 365 thing. See, Michael might be able to get that in there. Uh, but I had a reminder on due that said cancel Windows 365 at um, 11 a.m. on Wednesday. And that got added to do. Well, I was I was busy with AT die stuff at 11 a.m. on Wednesday. So I wasn't really thinking about it. So I just snoozed that reminder for five minutes. And guess what? When I snoozed it, it actually reminded me five minutes later instead of just popping back up on my lock screen. It went off. Um, and then inside of do, if you're like, hey, I need to actually do this in about three hours, you can tap the plus three hours button and then it will continue to go off until you actually uh, mark it off. And for me, I didn't think that that was going to be huge, but I'm really realizing how we get remi- we set reminders with the att- intentions of getting something done so we give it a due date which maybe right at that due date you can't do it but if you've already dismissed the alert for the reminder uh i, I don't know well i know how demossi's mind works i'm not going to speak for him but i will say i will forget to go back and do that thing if i don't have it in front of me a lot of times because if i set a reminder about it i knew i needed to do it but i knew i'd probably get distracted with something else so do is my if I have to get something done, it goes into do. Um, if it's something that I have some flexibility on and it's like a checklist of tasks that need to get done, or I'm collaborating on a project with someone, then that goes into Todoist. And I am simply not using reminders anymore. So you're absolutely right. If I dismiss a notification or what usually happens is I unlock the phone and when you lock the phone again, that notification is no longer there. I'm going to forget to do a thing uh, because I don't have that muscle memory of constantly of checking, you know, say to do is twice a day. Like I may look at it in the morning when I get up. And it's like, oh, okay, those things are due. But when the notification pops up to remind me to do a thing at, say, 12 o'clock, like I might be occupied doing something else. So, therefore, I try to leave it there. So, when I pick my phone up, but, of course, things happen. You unlock the phone or somebody calls and then you unlock the phone to go look at something that they sent you. Because it's like, did you see my message? Or here's this thing. Or did you get the, you know, what whatever. Like, you just unlock your phone for whatever reason. And then that notification typically disappears or gets buried and notifications on apple right now are kind of weird for me uh weirder than usual um you know partially because i've been playing around with the different layouts for notifications on your lock screen uh Mm. there's one mode and i can't remember which one it is uh that i absolutely will not use again uh like i don't don't remember the one one where your notifications float up from the bottom or something uh yeah or something and similarly to you with reminders, because I've tried reminders uh, over several years, actually, uh, during beta cycles when I was on the beta or, you know, in the past couple of years where I didn't really do beta too heavily uh, when I updated to the new OS, because there's new features that they've added to reminders. And it seems to be getting progressively more and more features. And because it's integrated with, you know, this system everywhere, it's like, hey, one, I could probably cut costs if I don't have to pay for Todoist, which, you know, granted it's 37 bucks a year, but hey, that's 37 bucks that could stay on my bank account. Uh, and most of the people that I happen to collaborate with are on iOS. So we could do the whole shared reminders list and all of that. Well, here's the thing. I don't get notifications about reminders that I set with due dates and times. Like, I just don't. It, it just does not happen. Uh other than this crazy reminder I set that I'm constantly getting notified about on the Mac every morning for some reason that says 
set the sink trap. Now, I set this reminder about 10 years ago for 15 years in the future. I was going to wait till my kids were teenagers. And I was going to do a thing because it sounded like it would be funny to me. It probably won't be funny when it happens because I have to clean it up. But it sounded funny at the time, <laughs> which was put a rubber band on the little thing on the sink, right? You know, a little sprayer thing on your sink. Yep. Put a rubber band on it so it's on. So the next time somebody goes, you know, kid goes over there to turn on the water to do something. It's right. See, you, you, it's funny, right? Uh-huh. It's humorous uh-huh. right now at the moment. It may yeah. not be humorous at the time you do it. <laughs> but, of course, I would think about, like, okay, which electronics are in the way of this potential spray or whatever. But it sounds very funny. So I set this. But, you know, my kids were small when I set this. I was like, you know, set this for 13 years in the future. Hmm. We're not there yet. Because uh, both kids were, you know, born at this time. So it should be around 2028, 2030 or something. <laughs> this should be happening. But I get reminded about it every day. So I go to class in the mornings and we go in, we do the whole breakfast thing and do all of that, come out of there. And then we go, you know, either we're putting in expenses or we're looking at doing orders for inventory or whatever, classroom work. Open up my laptop for the first time that morning, unlock it with my thumb. And the first thing I hear from notification center is, Set the sink water trap. I was like, so we still about a good seven years away from this? I'm not sure what you're telling me. But yet you can't tell me, remember to call so-and-so on this date or don't forget mm-hmm. to follow up with Bevel about your refund that you never got. Yeah, I ain't forgot about it because I want my money back. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have been sticking with Todoist. Todoist does have the ability to snooze things, and I do make use of that sometimes. It, it sometimes is not as customizable as I would need it to be. Uh, for example, I got reminded of a due task the other day, and I wanted to snooze it to, like, that evening. And, like, there's not a quick way to do that. I probably could go in and, I mean, I don't say probably, I absolutely could go in and edit the task. Yeah, and move it, but I just wanted to do it from my lock screen because at the moment I was moving a cart that had product on it to go fill a vending machine. Like, well, I ain't got time to do all that. Like, mm-hmm. give me the option from the lock screen, sure. You know, like Mike posted on Mastodon, join us at the top of the hour to listen as uh, we record technically working 47, and I didn't even have to open Mona to repost that post i just swiped up to options double tap and hit repost and then hit repost again because i didn't want to quote post it because i didn't have anything to say hmm. did you set that up custom or does it do that by default no it just does that by default you didn't okay. notice what i did whenever no. most, most of the time 99 well 98.7 percent of the time that i repost your post like that that's all i've done is pick up my phone and do that i see i figured you were just doing what i normally do and working out in notifications i did not realize you could do all that from the lock screen i know on the watch you can like and reply i haven't seen a way to repost from the watch which maybe that's actually a good thing because you know anyways but i didn't know you could do that right from the lock screen that's pretty cool yeah um one, one thing uh so for voiceover users so wipe down on your mm-hmm. actions if you have done the thing i've done with my rotor where it does not automatically take itself somewhere else it stays how i said it turn your rotor first to actions and then swipe down to options do this on any notification you get and you may be surprised at what some of the options are uh for example duo which is an app we've talked about uh the duo mobile security app mm-hmm. not the defunct no longer halfway existing google video app but <laughs> 
when a notification push notification comes in, when I'm logging into a service that I have connected to Duo, I don't have to open the app to authenticate it. I just swipe down to options and double tap and I have an option to approve or deny. And it shows me everything I need to see in the notification. So, you know, I know that I was trying to do this and also know it's the service that I'm authenticating to. So I'm done. Now, on the other hand, when Google, if you're using Google, I see a lot of people do this, too, which is very fascinating to me for some reason from a security standpoint. People have two factor on. They don't realize it's two factor with their Google accounts because they get a push notification to the YouTube app or to the Gmail app or to the Google app, I think, even um, where you have to say, oh, yes, this was me trying to log in at this location. Uh, right. Which is, you know, nice. It is a very subtle way to get people in the habit of, of doing second factor without calling it out or making it super difficult. Because uh, all you have to do basically is sign into one of those Google apps on your phone and boom, now you're, you have now basically set it up to do this uh, from any untrusted browser or untrusted location or any suspicious looking login that Google determines they need to get second verification on. However, cannot swipe down or for non voiceover users, uh, swipe to the left across the notification, I think, and get an option to say, yes, this is me logging in in Tuscaloosa on a MacBook Air. Uh, you have to actually open up the Google app. And I know, you know, first, you know, first world problem, but it's really irritating when all I needed to do, because I'm in the flow of doing something else like now I got to actually open this. Wait for it to load up and then find the button. Whereas Duo, hey, I can just do that from my lock screen or from the watch, uh, which is even nicer mm-hmm. with Duo because I don't have to go through any of this crap and get right back to what I was doing, which means my hands are off the keyboard for all of five seconds, maybe. Right. Yeah. Or maybe 30 with the way the watch acts now. <laughs> you know. That could be because my watch is very old and I'm not going to buy a new one. Try getting on beta. 10. I know it sounds weird, but try getting on beta because I was having some funkiness with my watch and I was actually unstable and Steven recommended getting on beta because someone told him that and he said a lot of the weirdness just went away. So describe some of the weirdness. So when I would like, double tap on, when I would swipe to something and I would double tap, it just simply would not activate my double tap at all. Um, and then I also have this weird, had this weirdness where you would get a notification, but all you see is the time and you don't even, I couldn't even see what the notification was. So I, therefore I couldn't interact with the notification. Um, I think those are the two biggest strange things that I have not noticed uh, since I updated. <sighs> So that so I'll try I, I may try that because I mean what's it gonna hurt as long as my workouts still work which means I got to get back to my workouts too that got thrown off uh, a little bit but uh so the notification thing like I've noticed that off and on over the years usually my workaround for that generally works which is a notification comes in I touch the watch face it tells me what the notification is I double tap on it. If you just try to flick, it tends to get stuck on whatever that previous screen was for the notification. You have to touch it. Mm. And sometimes you have to touch it in the right place to get focus into. It's sort of like there's two different levels of that that view there. And I'm trying to think of a good way. So if you because you've used your phone like this, for anybody that has used your phone like this uh, or on the Mac where you sometimes have to interact with a thing. Uh, but on the phone, if you switch to group, right, mm-hmm. you can flick right past the top level or something. You have to actually interact. Yep. It seems like there should be a way to like there's an expectation by the watch, at least the way, to, the way it's displaying the information that you're going to interact with the notification first and then read right. the content of it. Yeah. But there's not really a way to do that. So you have to. 
slide around the screen until you actually get into the I see this with carry and I, I see it with very specific apps a lot too so for me I've always kind of had that issue with carrot weather uh, I've always kind of had that issue with fantastic Al uh, as well on the watch notifications it seems to come and go with Apple stuff so uh, but I may try putting it on beta I mean workouts is still work that's all I'm really worried about yep uh, but you're also on beta on your phone too I'm not sure how that works if I'm on if I try to go to beta on the watch without doing it on the phone I am on beta on my phone I forgot I was see it's a good thing you pay attention <laughs> might break things or something It'd be really weird watch be all disconnected beta update on the phone that I need to do to 17.4.2 so I've been playing with a new tool. Unless you have something else, we can wrap up with this new tool, my initial thoughts. And then maybe we'll actually do a post-show, unless Demasi's feeling worn out because he's probably had a long weekend. Um, or we'll we'll come up with something for our our people, the people that pay us. We'll come up the with supporters. The supporters. Yeah, supporters. supporters. I could supporters. not remember the word. I, I wanted to say members. I'm like, they're not members. They're not... They're not subscribers, although I guess they are kind of subscribing, but the supporters, that's the word. Uh, yeah. So did you ever look at this type ahead tool? No, but I just saw you posted this and I am going to look at it. Uh, I was actually planning on going to check that out tonight. So tell people about this. You said it's called type ahead, right? Yeah. It's typeahead.ai is the website. Um, I have mixed feelings and know that what I'm going to tell you is before the update that I saw came out today. So first of all, that makes me happy that I saw an update come out today because you can build these tools and then just walk oh, away from pricing? it. Pricing? Uh -huh. Cost? Um, see pricing you can download a free offline version. They have an online version that I'm not certain exactly how that works. And maybe some of the things I'm experiencing with it are different. If you pay for it, I am not currently paying for it. Uh, it's like $8 a month or $6 a month, something like that. Uh, but you can download yeah, is it. Is this at home, bro? I don't think so. I did not. Oh, well, let's check. Yeah. You, you take a look. So what type of head is, is it's a tool that works on the Mac only, and it allows you to use GPT to control your computer. Um, so if, for example, you wanted to open Google Calendar, create a new event called Technically Working, and mark it for Saturday at 7 p.m. reoccurring every week, you can tell Type Ahead via voice, uh, create a new Google Calendar event every Saturday at 7 p.m. Um, called Technically Working. And then when you're done talking, what it will do is open your web browser because it knows that Google Calendar is in your web browser. And then it'll go to calendar.google.com and it will click on the new event option. It will add the text that you told it for the title. It'll change the date to the upcoming Saturday. It'll set it to 7 p.m. It'll click the reoccurring weekly and then click the save button. And it, it has great potential. Um, I've told a couple of people, think keyboard maestro that you can control with your voice controlled via GPT. So it will let you set workflows so you can go in and record yourself doing something kind of like you can with keyboard maestro. I've not played with that specific part of it yet. Um, it will also um, let you just ask it 
describe this window to me, for example, and it'll tell you what you're in. I was in a finder with a search term uh, performed, and it explained to me what the search term was, and then in natural language gave me a couple of the files that were in there in my computer's uh, finder window. So it's it's great, but it also has some some gotchas. So when I told it, because it's very frustrating having a thousand notifications, I said, hey, clear all my notifications for me. So I thought it was going to do some weird thing and go into the Mac OS and clear all my notifications for me. It did not. What I probably should have said was clear all my notifications one by one. And then that probably, or independently or something like that. And that probably would have processed. What it did, however, do is when it didn't find a clear all button in the notifications center, because it's not there, it opened Apple help and search for clearing all notifications. And I'm like, that is kind of cool. Like I didn't find anything, <laughs> but that right there blew my mind. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And it does not give up. That's another problem. So command escape is how you actually tell uh, type ahead, hey, stop doing what you're doing. And it'll tell you abort can't or task aborted by user or something like that. So I told it, for example, go to uh, app.gusto.com, use autofill and sign me in. And then click the clock in button. So it went to app.gusto.com. Um, it did not do the autofill. So I just touched my touch ID and that filled it in. Um, and then I had to tell it again, now click the clock in button. Well, um, it clicked the clock in button. And then whenever it does something on the web, it waits five seconds for a website to load, which makes sense because you don't know how long that website's going to take to load. But when it clicked the clock in button, five seconds later, it clicked the clock out button. And then click the clock in button. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I think it did that like five times on Friday. I finally had to cancel because I'm like, mm, no, this ain't going to work. Um, so it's not perfect, but it's really interesting to see where it goes. And the sign-in process, like the setup process, the setup process to me, and I have no proof behind this, to me says, huh, this looks like an Apple engineer designed this. That's interesting. I could be 1000% incorrect, but it was just, you know, the little things like your focus doesn't move when you're at, when you give something permission or you click the button and it goes to the proper field. I will say during setup, it did call it system settings and not system, or I called it system preferences and not system settings. So that was a little weird, but. That's type ahead. Um, you can speak to it. Uh, you do have to change. Well, I had to change a keystroke because uh, by default it uses command sh command option space to engage it. I switched that to command shift space because command option space does something with launch bar. Uh, that's not your fantastic L short. That's my fantastic L yeah. shortcut. My fantastic L is control option space. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, because you're fancy and you don't have problems with your caps lock key getting stuck. Yeah. Being the voiceover key. Yep. Like, oh, I'm stuck, so now everything is. I don't know why you don't have those problems either. Uh, and I have not actually tried that since I've been on whatever Mac OS 14 is either. So that could be something that is fixed. So looks like this is. Uh, Starting at free is what it says, which they don't actually give you your pricing for the local only version. Mm -hmm. uh, all user data is stored offline. You can configure local LLMs. 
um, and supports most features. The paid version, you were correct, is $8 a month or uh, $80 a year if you want to pay yearly. Uh, that allows you access to all user data is still stored offline. So apparently they're not. Um, I have their privacy policy pulled up. I haven't finished reading through it. Uh, actually, I'm going to grab this and go ask ChatGPT to summarize it. Because uh, that's smarter. That's a more efficient use of my time. But it also gives you access to ChatGPT Turbo for right. ChatGPT for Turbo, uh, as well as some search APIs. Now, what I would like to see them do here is offer me the option to use my API key, and maybe they do. Uh, I don't know, but use my API key on the free local version because I don't need your ChatGPT uh, for Turbo because I already have that. I've had that probably longer than they had it. Hmm. Possibly not, but possibly so at any rate i don't need anybody else's api key for chat gpt uh and that's one thing that i have been steering i don't say necessarily hard steering clearer but i'm, I'm less likely to use a service that uses chat gpt because usually those are paid mm-hmm. uh first off it's like we well, already pay 20 bucks a month for chat gpt plus and i pay for api uses so i'm paying for two different services which my api usage is fairly pretty low uh because right now I'm using Mac GPT in its web view mode, which is actually accessing the chat GP, chat GPT plus say that seven times fast directly through the browser, which is not using the API key. Uh, when you use Mac GPT in local mode, you have to use your API key if you want GPT for access. I forgot about uh, local mode because I've just used the web browser. Yeah, because the, the web browser gives you access to the, the custom GPTs, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's yep. another thing that I'm liking uh, yep. a lot here. So, and I miss them if I don't have them set up uh, like I did when I wiped this computer and didn't have Mac GPT set up for it. I was like, why can I not do this thing that I want? Oh, yeah, that's right. Or why am I doing this the long way around and Googling stuff? Oh, yeah, because I don't have this GPT set up. Uh, let me do that. Um. So, yeah, but this looks like it's pretty decent. I have downloaded it. I'll install it and check it out. What you're describing, actually, funnily enough, we had a conversation about this about a week ago Mm -hmm. uh, about trying to set up something like this with a combination of. um, Actually, I think we both asked, can you do this with the new keyboard maestro? Because neither of us had looked to see uh if we could. Yeah. Yeah, and we were talking about or possibly setting it up with Keyboard Maestro in conjunction with uh, the Vision, the Apple Vision APIs, which is what uh, VOCR uses. Yeah. And I think I actually said, like, you know, VOCR could be modified to can do some other. We had some hooks. We had some ideas. And right. it looks like this actually is that idea. So Maybe the NSA is listening to us and selling uh, our conversations to indie developers. Yeah. So, one, I want my cut. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or at least, you know, yeah, I want my cut. I, I, I want a cut. Yeah, my yeah, cut. <laughs> I, I, I want a cut. When you sell this to somebody else, uh, I, I want my cut. Yeah. No, it looks really interesting. And and I think it could be even more fun when combined with shortcuts. And I, I, all, I almost wonder if it can build shortcuts. And that would be kind of cool to tell it, hey, build a shortcut that does this and see where it goes with that. I need to play with that a little more. So I would play with that and what I'm also interested in because I have to use uh, V. I guess I don't necessarily have to. Uh, 
Uh, I should probably read emails before I say what I'm about to say. Hey, Jeff, never mind. I'm not going to say that because I need to catch up on email before I decide to say what I was. I'm going to say it anyway. So because I have to use VS Code for this upcoming Python course, uh, and I was about to say I don't I don't think I necessarily have to use it. It's just I'll be stuck on my own if I can't get whatever IDE I decide to use to work the way it should be working and do what it's supposed to do. But for all I know, uh, joining the class means I have to use VS Code, and if I don't, they'll kick me out. Uh, that's the part I don't know about. I doubt it. I doubt what I said the first time would be true. Uh, but all of that roundabout stuff to say that because I have to use VS Code anyway, um, I am more interested in now setting up the extension and installing on iOS the JellyCuts app. And if it can't build shortcuts in the native shortcuts interface, maybe mm. you could teach it to use or it can use jelly cuts something like this i would like the ability to train it or use my local. and it says you can customize local llm so uh, i'm really curious to see what that is because um the custom gpts have been amazing uh especially when you take time to continue release you know take time to train it to do what you want it to do you Mm -hmm. know there's some work that has been done for us with some of these programming ones and, and some other ones out there but even with the ones that i've been working on it's just a continuous thing for me to try to, you know, feed them information, right? Because it does take time for it to process, you know, what you're feeding it. And, you know, nobody has time to sit there for 24 hours straight just feeding stuff into GPT. So at least I don't. Uh, apparently somebody does. Well, they're smarter than me. But I do like the custom uh, GPTs. And maybe what, maybe what they mean here by customizing local LLMs is some of that flexibility to kind of train it on specific tasks that you wanted to do or educated about something like jelly cuts, for example. So it could open up VS code, write a shortcut that does the thing you want to do and push that back to your phone and the shortcuts app. And now you have a new shortcut that you didn't really have to spend time writing. Um, I've been seeing some other interesting uses of, of AI. And when I say interesting uses, it's like a, it's those small focus tasks that I feel like, you know, the current tools are are great at. So, you know, building a bot that can look at your product catalog and make recommendations to a customer. Uh, I've seen this somewhere. I can't remember if it was Amazon or somebody that has this on their website where it's like, you know, I'm looking for this. Oh, well, here's some options. What are, you know, and I thought about this from the context of AT guys somewhere down the road, uh, later this year, being able to add that type of feature where somebody's like, well, I'm looking for Bluetooth headsets mm-hmm. or I'm looking for a headset. What headsets do you have? Right. And we yeah. can have a box that is like, you know, what do you want? Uh, I'm looking for a headset. Okay. Do you want wired or Bluetooth? Mm, I want Bluetooth. Okay. Are you looking for over ear, in ear or on bone or, conducting? Or, yeah. Bone conduction. Yeah. Or open ear, that sort I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, so thinking about things like that, uh, and, and I feel like there, and there's other scenarios where I've seen like very focused, you know, trained very heavily on specific data, you know, getting stuff back out. You've been seeing this, I think, with the with the technically working bot that you've been working on too. Uh, whereas you train it more and more on data, it's mm-hmm. able to give us more. Because you sent me something one time that, that Chat GPT wrote, and I think you end up tweaking it a little bit, but it wrote a pretty damn good summary of our show yeah. in a specific episode based off the fact that you were fed it, I think at that point, maybe like 15 episode transcripts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I keep, I need to feed it more transcripts, like do that more regularly because I, I don't do that. 
I forget to, honestly, I forget to go give it its food. So I need to do that more uh, so I can keep building that out. I think the last time I fed it something was episode 45. Um, but now that I'm working again with Mac Whisperer, I can go get some of the older trans, older shows that weren't initially transcript and broken up by person and at least give it that data because I think that data is better than no data for the earlier episodes. And at some point, I'm – not committing to do it right now. Unless Demasi wants to go download, figure out a way to write a script to go download all of them, um, I wanted to eventually feed it uh, the, the DM series too. But I got to go download all those episodes because I don't think I have a local copy of those episodes, which maybe I need to go download them anyways. Yeah, I mean, good for archival purpose. They are stored in backups. So Yeah, you know, yeah they're in backups all over the place. Uh, They're on Pinecast. I'm not moving Pinecast anywhere. Although I did put mark that that show was closed. Did I tell you that? Or complete? Uh, nope. Yeah. So it shows in a totally different section in Pinecast. And it is completed. Uh, this show isn't completed yet. No. And we're not going to... This one at 100. Uh, yeah. I don't think. Unless me and Mike have a major falling out. No. I don't see that. And then we'll be on VH1. Oh. <laughs> Did you say then we'll be on VH1? Yeah. No one watches VH1 anymore. Yeah, that's why we'll probably be able to get our get our story told on there because nobody's watching it. Oh. Real time follow up. This is not the thing I was going to bring up, but real time follow up. Uh, that was the first time I've saved the episode this recording. See, that is a sign of a engaging conversation. <laughs> Um, real time follow up though. This what is this called? A head type ahead. Type ahead. Thank you. I know it wasn't look ahead, which is what I want to say. Look ahead. Dot AI is not in brew. Type ahead. Dot AI is not in brew. Not yeah. look ahead. Dot AI. <laughs> you, you wanted to say it, and then you actually said it. <laughs> yeah, type ahead. Dot AI is not in brew. I did a brew search. Uh, for a couple of different ways of spelling it, and it did not come up. So, not there yet, but I did download it from their website. And I'm yeah, curious, and, and it doesn't get in my way. That's one thing that I like about it is it's it's there. I know it's there, but I don't think about it unless I think about, like, I find it in the menu bar, actually, is how I remember It's kind of like VLCR. Like yeah. You forget that it's yep. there until you run across in the menu bar. It's like, oh, yeah, I could probably have used this maybe two hours ago. Yeah. Instead of yeah. doing whatever weird thing I did do. Yep. All right, so we are going to wrap this one up for this week. I want to thank everybody for listening. This has been episode 47 of Technically Working. Before we get out of here, we made reference to them earlier in the episode, but I truly want to thank, first and foremost, those of you who are supporting us financially because you don't have to. You can spend your dollars anywhere else in this world, and you have chosen to give some of them to Technically Working. So we truly appreciate it and hope that you're continuing to find value. Uh, to those of you who, in the new lingo of podcasting, thank you very much, Apple. If you're continuing to follow our show or if you have one of those, you know, anti-disestablishmentarian podcast apps that does not change their language, if you're still subscribed to our show in a podcatcher of your choice, we appreciate you for downloading and listening to the show every week. Um, and for the people who were listening to us live, thank you so much. We appreciate your support. 
Um, thank you, Discord, for either not distracting Michael too much this week or uh, congratulations to Michael for being able to manage that a whole lot better than he has the past couple of weeks. Uh-huh. I was even but having side been- conversations in the live chat. Yeah. So, see, most times he would get distracted and I would know he was distracted. Uh, but that didn't happen this week. So Mike's getting better at managing these side conversations. Awesome. Which means I don't have to install discord. So thank you everybody. We appreciate it. You can follow us on Mastodon. He is payon P A Y O W N at unmute dot community. I'm Damasi D A M A S H E at unmute dot community. Uh, and if you're not on Mastodon, cause don't tweet me or Facebook, either one of us. Uh, mm. You can send us an email at feedback at technicallyworking.show. And yes, to my dear friend, you have been saying my name wrong the entire time. 